Section 16 of The Pagan Madonna by Harold McGrath. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 16 After they had gone below, Dennison dropped into Jane's chair. Immediately, Dodge began to talk. So you nearly throttled that ornery coyote, huh? What do you know about this roundup? The three of em came in, and I never smelt nothing until they were on top of me. How should I smell anything? Hobnobbing together for days? How was I to know they were a bunch of pirates? Is your old man sore? Naturally. I mean, appertaining to me? I don't see how he could be. Who took care of you? Bound you up? That nice-looking greaser with the slew-foot, soft-speaking like a woman and an eye like a timber-wolf, some hombre. Where are we bound for? God knows, dejectedly. That is that, huh? Your girl? No. No place for a girl. If they hadn't busted my arm, I wouldn't care so much. If it comes to a showdown, I won't be no good to anybody. Give me my guns, and we'd be heading home in five minutes. These hombres know something of my gun play. Gee, it's lonesome here. Dodge mused for a moment. Say, what's your old man's idea hog-tying you that way? He'll tell you, perhaps. Uh-huh. Say, what did the Lord make all that stuff for? With a gesture toward the brazen sea. What's it good for, anyhow? But for the sea we wouldn't have any oysters or codfish, said Dennison soberly. Dodge chuckled. Oysters and codfish. Say, you're all right. Never knew the old man had a son until you blew in. Back in New York, nobody ever said nothing about you. Where you been? Lots of places. Any riding? Some. Can you shoot? A little. Kill any of them Bolsheviks? That would be guesswork. Did you ever kill a man? Nope. Didn't have to. I'm pretty good on the draw, and where I come from they knew it and didn't bother me. I see. Shootin' these days is all in the movies. I was ridin' for a film company when your old man lassoed me for this job. Never know when you're well off, huh? I thought there wouldn't be nothing to do but grub-pile three times a day and the old man's cheroots in between. And here I be now, ridin' along with a bunch of pirates. What do you know about that? And some of them, nice boys, too. If they were riff-raff, bar-room bums, I could get a line on it. But I'll have to pass the buck. You haven't got an extra gun anywhere, have you? We'd be heading east if I had, grimly. I'd have pared down the odds this morning. That hombre with the hop-along didn't leave me a quill toothpick. Was you thinking of starting something? Hopefully. No, but I'd feel more comfortable if Miss Norman could carry a gun. Uh-huh. Say, she's all right. No hysterics. Ain't many of them that wouldn't have been snivelling all day and night in her bunk. Been listening to her reading. Gee, you'd think we were floating round this codfish lake just for the fun of it. She won't run to cover if a bust-up comes. None whatever, and I bet she can cook, too. Them kind can always cook. Conversation lapsed. Below, Jane was passing through an unusual experience. Said Clay at the start, I'm going to show you the paintings. There are fourteen in all. I will tell you the history of each, and above all, please bear in mind the price of each picture. I'll remember. But she thought the request an odd one coming from the man as she knew him. Most of the treasures were in his own spacious cabin. There was a Napoleonic corner, a messonier on one side, and a detail on the other. 
In a stationary cabinet there were a pair of stirrups, a riding crop, a book on artillery tactics, a pair of slippers beaded with seed pearls, and a buckle studded with sapphires. "'What are those?' she asked, attracted. "'They belong to the emperor and his first empress.' "'Napoleon?' "'The Corsican. Next to the masters, I've a passion for things genuinely Napoleonic. The hussar is by Messonnier, and the skirmish by detail.' "'How much is this corner worth?' "'I can't say, except that I would not part for those objects for a hundred thousand, and there are friends of mine who would pay half that sum for them behind my back. "'This is a da Vinci.' Half an hour passed. Jane honestly tried to be thrilled by the splendor of the name she heard, but her eye was always traveling back toward the slippers and the buckle. The Empress Josephine! Romance and gallantry in the old, old days!' The painting in your cabin is by Holbein. It cost me sixteen thousand. Now let us go out and look at the rug. That is the apple of my eye. It is the second finest example of the animal rug in the world. A sheet of pure gold, half an inch thick, covering the rug from end to end, would not equal its worth. Jane admired the rug, but she would have preferred the gold. Her sense of the beautiful was alive, but there was always in her mind the genteel poverty of the past she was beginning to understand. To go in quest of the beautiful required an unlimited purse and an endless leisure, and she would have never the one nor the other. "'How much gold would that be?' she inquired naively. "'Nearly eighty thousand. Have you kept in mind the sums I have given you?' "'Yes. Let me see. Good heavens, a quarter of a million. But why do you carry them about like this?' "'Because I'm something of a rogue myself.' I could not enjoy the rug and the paintings except on board. The French, the Italian, and the Spanish governments could confiscate every solitary painting except the messonnier and the detail, for the simple reason that they were stolen. Oh, I did not steal them myself. I merely purchased them with one eye shut. If I hadn't bought them, they would have gone to some other collector. Do you get a glimmer of the truth now? The truth? Perplexedly. Yes where Cunningham will get his pearls, bitterly. Oh! And I could not touch him. A quarter of a million, and with his knowledge of the secret marts, he could easily dispose of them. Worth a bold stroke, eh? But how will he get them off the yacht, transship them? Her faith in Cunningham began to waver. A quarter of a million! The thought was as bells in her ears. Of the outside issues I have no inkling, but I have shown you his pearls. But the crew! Certainly they will not return to any port with us. And why should he lie to me? There is no reason in the world why he shouldn't have told me if he had committed piracy to obtain your paintings, and he was poring over maps. Some tramp is probably going to pick him up. He's ordered us away from the wireless. Cunningham must have his joke, so he is beguiling you with twaddle about hunting pearls. He is robbing me of my treasures, and I can't strike back on that count but I can land him in prison on the count of piracy, and by the Lord Harry I'll do it if it takes my last dollar. He'll rue this adventure, or they call me Tungsten for nothing. I wanted so to believe in him. Not too difficult to understand why. He has a silver tongue and a face like John the Baptist, Del Sarto's, and you are romantic. The picture of him has enlisted your sympathies. You are filled with pity that he should be so richly endowed facially and mentally, and be a cripple such as children laugh over. 
have you never considered what mental anguish must be the portion of a man whose body is twisted as his is i know so i pity him profoundly even if he is a rogue that's all i was born for to pity and to bind up and i pity you mr clay you who have walled your heart in granite you're plain-spoken young lady yes certain sick minds need plain-speaking then my mind is sick yes and only a little while gone it was romantic two hundred million hands begging for bread and you crossing the world for a string of glass beads whose value is only sentimental i can't let that pass miss norman i have trusted lieutenants who attend to my charities i'm not a miser you are with the greatest thing in the world human love shall a man give it where it is not wanted but enough of this talk i have shown you cunningham's pearls perhaps night and wheeling stars it was stuffy in the crew's quarters half naked the men lolled about some in their bunks some on the floor the orders were that none should sleep on deck during the voyage to catwick all because the old man brings a skirt on board we have to sweat blood in the forepeak growled flint we've got a right to a little sport sure we have a speaker was sitting on the edge of his bunk he was a fine specimen of young manhood with a pleasant rollicking irish countenance he looked as if he had been brought up clean and had carried his cleanliness into the world the blue anchor and lovebirds on his formidable forearms proclaimed him a deep seaman it was he who had given dennison the shirt and the ducks sure we have a right to a little sport but why call in the undertaker to help us out you poor fish all the way from san francisco you've been grousing because shore leaves weren't long enough for you to get prime soused in what's two months in our young lives i've always been free to do as i liked you look it i'll say so the chief laid down the rules of this game and we all took oath to follow those rules the trouble with you is you've been reading dime novels where do you think you are raiding the spanish main there's every chance of our coming up top hole as those lime juicers say with oodles of dough and a whole skin say don't i know this zulu game i tell you if he does find his atoll there won't be any shell not a chance in a hundred somebody's been giving him a song and dance as i get the dope some pearl-hunting friend of his croaks and leaves him this chart old stuff i bet a million boobs of croak trying to locate the red cross on a chart why the devil did you sign on then i wanted a little fun and i'm going to have it there's champagne and napoleon brandy in the dry stores wouldn't hurt us to have a little of it if we've got to go to jail we might as well go lit up flint you talk too much said a voice from the doorway it was cunningham's he leaned carelessly against the jam the crew fell silent and motionless boys you've heard hennessy play it my way and you'll wear diamonds mess it up and you'll all wear hemp the world will forgive us when it finds out we've only made it laugh cunningham strolled over to flint who rose to his feet flint i want that crimp house whiskey you've been swiggin on the sly no back talk hand it over and if i don't said flint his jaw jutting end of chapter sixteen Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.